guide us, O God, by your word and Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover peace. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The gospel reading today is taken from the second half of the prologue of the Gospel of John, John 1, verses 10 through 18. Hear the word of the Lord. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. God is yearning to be known. God's desire to be known is the doctrine of incarnation that we find in the verses just read. God recognizes that Jesus is needed for God's self to be revealed. And as you have read and heard, the fact that Jesus was there does not mean that all knew Jesus. To know Jesus requires for hearts to be open. In this passage from John, we hear the why and the what of the word becoming flesh. In verse 14 alone, there are so many conceptual words mentioned. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. Did you hear these powerful words? Word, flesh, lived, glory, father, son, grace, and truth. The rest of the book of John will unpack the how of these words through Jesus' ministry on earth. John's writing is quite different from the other gospels. There's no genealogy, no Christmas story. John speaks of the word made flesh, the word who dwelled among us. The how happens in Jesus' encounters during his life and ministry. Jesus wanted to be known by those who were least likely to know him. That's why in John we encounter Nicodemus, the Pharisee, or the Samaritan woman at the well, for example, another unusual encounter as she was most likely an outcast. Jesus did not hesitate to enter into a relationship with her. And because she was open, even with the embarrassment of her situation with her having known several husbands, she led Jesus into her heart. And in turn, she made Jesus known in her village. 
Jesus was yearning to offer his love and forgiveness to her. And it's amazing what happens when we open ourselves to strangers. The Gospel of John told us all we need to know about the Incarnation. And the Word became flesh and lived among us. Or if you've read the paraphrased version of the Bible called The Message, Eugene, Eugene Peterson says it a lot more plainly. And the Word became flesh and he moved into the neighborhood. If you've lived in a neighborhood long enough, watching someone move in on your street can be an interesting event. Some people can feel a little uneasy with welcoming new neighbors. You might see them push open the curtains and peek outside as the moving truck is being unloaded. They watch with a critical eye, wondering what kind of people are arriving. Will they be noisy? Will they cut the grass often enough? Will they let their cat roam outside? Honey, look at the color of that couch, it's hideous. Oh my, look at that, they're bringing in a drum set. That's it. They are bums, they're going to be on drugs, we're going to be up at all hours of the night, the value of our home is going down as we speak. Well, <laughs> this fear is normal. Change isn't easy for most of us. It can take some effort to accept someone new, and sometimes it's easier to shut the blinds and just go on our way. Now that most homes have a garage where we can pull the car into, there's not a real need to greet our neighbors. But there's also the neighbors that bring a plate of cookies, those who empathize with the effort and pain of moving and their arrival in a brand new place. Some people are eager to meet these new neighbors. They introduce themselves, let the newcomers know when trash day is, and they make sure they know how to be reached if they have a need. Jesus was not a new neighbor. He was in the world from the beginning. The word was in the world, and the world came into being through him. John's prologue begins, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. This prologue echoes the very first words we find in Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. John here is reestablishing the presence of the word in the world. Yes, the people knew him, but not all wanted to see the light. What is it like for you and for me to know Jesus? We build our relationship through the reading of scriptures and in our one-on-one -on -one time with Christ through prayer, but also through the communion we share with the people around us. And the word is revealed in our relationships with others, in the light we provide to one another. When I joined Church of the Palms as the new music director over eight years ago, I loved how I showed up to choir and how all the little tasks that came with my job description were always done. The coffee was made on rehearsal nights and on Sunday mornings, the chairs were perfectly lined up, there were sign-in sheets ready for the choir, the copied hymns were placed in trays on Sunday morning, the bulletins were hole-punched for the singers to put them in their folders. 
The offering envelopes were picked up, the coffee pots were cleaned at the end. Everything always looked neat. With all the demands of my new position, a large music program to run, and a lot of hearts to win following a 25-year tenure held by our friend John Ferreira, I was busy with my own duties, and I did not really stop to wonder how these things were all getting magically done. I eventually met Jim, a man in his mid-80s, and re realized that he was the elf that was doing all this stuff. I'd thank him here and there, but he was so quiet, there was just not much conversation. And as the years went by, I noticed him more and more. Especially around the time he turned 90, he fell one Sunday in the choir room, and his skin was paper thin, and he was bleeding a bit, and his knees were a little sore. I offered to take him home, and he said no. I insisted and drove him in his old pickup truck. I was surprised when I realized it took 45 minutes to get to his home from church. He lived far east off of Fruitville Road. It was not even his home, actually. He occupied a little portion of a house that was owned by his great-nephew. His great-nephew was housing Jim because Jim had been generous with him at an earlier time in life. But now Jim didn't have much. There had never been a Mrs. Jim, so no children of his own. I was puzzled by all of this suddenly, and I began to see him more. I realized that he must have been leaving his home so early to get to church, both on Wednesdays and on Sundays. There had to have been a lot of driving in the dark. No matter how early I would get to church, he was always there before me. Then he would stay until everyone had left, turning off the lights and locking up the building. This had me more and more worried, as he was now in his early 90s. Every time I thank him publicly, he turned beet red and tried to disappear. Jim finally cleaned off his last pot of coffee one Sunday and went into the hospital the same evening. He was there for a few weeks before dying, and it's in the hospital that I really got to know him. Jim, is there anything I can do for you? I asked as he was getting weaker and weaker. Yes, he said, and I was actually surprised. He humbly requested to have a memorial service officiated by Pastor Mingy, and then he had a very unique and special request. Would you mind playing Rhapsody in Blue with Jonathan at my service? The most gentle and humble servant finally went home to God. With no family present, we held our own service on the chancel. Every single member of the chancel choir showed up. We sang a favorite anthem called Lord of the Small, and Jonathan and I played Rhapsody in Blue. Don't get any ideas. <laughs> if it's something you'd like at your memorial service, it will take hundreds of coffee pots for the choir first. <laughs> the word was in the world, yet the world did not know him. The government of Quebec, my home province, passed a bill in 2019 called Bill 21, which bans Canadians working in professions such as teachers, lawyers, police officers, and other positions of authority from wearing religious symbols 
such as crosses, hijabs, turbans, or yarmulkes. Many in my French-Canadian homeland don't know God, and now this law makes it even more difficult and shameful to seek to know God. Fear is powerful. Faith, whatever it may be, makes some people uncomfortable. What is the fear we might have in knowing Jesus? Are we afraid to lose some things we find precious? What are we trading off in letting, letting Jesus into our own neighborhood? It's scary for some to walk by faith, but when we dare to knock at the door of our new neighbors, we're welcoming Christ into our lives, the Christ that's yearning to be known. Some of you may know I volunteer as a hospital chaplain, and in this work, I walk into complete strangers' rooms, never knowing what to expect. Sometimes the conversations are short, sometimes my presence is not wanted, and at other times, the conversations are deeply meaningful. Two strangers and a relationship that's built at warp speed. When someone needs to see a chaplain, there's no small talk. We could quickly dive into the real meaning of life, the deep questions, the fears, the hopes. I see Jesus' most profound power when life is at its most fragile. When I was shadowing our friend, Pastor Alan Rada, I watched him speak so wisely to people who needed to meet Christ in their last days, finally wanting to acknowledge that neighbor they never tried to meet all this while being in their most vulnerable state. And you know what happens when they ask to know Jesus? The word was there, ready to meet and embrace them. No questions asked. Grace upon grace. Some people bring a plate of cookies to their new neighbors, and some skip the small talk and bring life to complete strangers. Jennifer was living in Ohio. She had no kids, only a dear sister and her family she really loved who lived here in Florida. Jenny had no real goal of her own. It was brought to her attention that there was a huge need for kidney life donors in her state. 2,500 people on the waiting list, to be exact. She thought about it a lot. She felt a strong urge to do something that would bring special meaning to her life. She checked with her doctor as she had one worry. Could she still enjoy a glass of wine if she had only one kidney? Yes, the doctor said, nothing to be concerned about. You can still have your wine. She was listed as a donor, and within a couple of months, she received the call that she was a match. She went ahead with the surgery. Two complete strangers now connected from sharing the same kidney. She asked to meet the recipient which had to be agreed upon by both parties. He said yes. Following the surgery, she waited for her organ's new owner in a conference room in the hospital, and they brought him in, and she had one thought. Oh my gosh, I just gave my kidney to the actor Wesley Snipes. The resemblance was uncanny, but not quite. His name was Tom. He was very quiet during the meeting, but at the end, he asked her this question. Why would you do this for a stranger? She responded, 
why not? Also realizing that from then on, they would be friends for life. This magnitude of a gift is hard to understand. But the story does not end there. Three years after blessing a stranger with her own kidney, Jennifer was diagnosed with an advanced stage of breast cancer, and it was a nasty kind. It wasn't looking good. Her only sister was in Florida, unable to drop everything to be with Jennifer in person. Her concerned sister received a call from Tom telling her not to worry because he would be there for her. The Wesley Snipes look-alike took Jennifer to every chemo appointment and walked with her every step of her cancer journey. The story was picked up by the popular Facebook page called Humans of New York, which is where I first read about it. And then I got to read it a second time when her Florida sister shared the story with her friends with great pride. If you like going to the orchestra, you might even know Jennifer's sister too. Her name is Betsy Traba, and she's the principal flute player of the Sarasota Orchestra. Jennifer and Tom's lives have been saved by one another. Doesn't need to be a kidney donation. It's just getting to know people. Throughout Jesus' ministry, we know that not everyone saw him or wanted to listen to him. There was enough noise being made in the neighborhood. The neighbors definitely looked and heard, but not all saw and listened. God sent Jesus on earth because God so loved the world. As we get ready to share in the sacrament of the Holy Supper, we take a serious look at John's choice of word, the word made flesh rather than the word made man or human, because the word made flesh is intimately bound with the sacrifice of our Lord. The doctrines of incarnation and of salvation meet in the Greek word sarx, the flesh. Jesus says in John chapter 6, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true blood, and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them. The word made flesh is there in you and in me. The word made flesh is in the quiet gems of the world and in the brave Jennifers who give their kidney and in the Wesley Snipes lookalikes who choose to help friends in their battle. Who is around you that you haven't gotten to know yet?